It's time for the moment you've been waiting for. Introducing the Dynasty Degens Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode six of Dynasty Degens Podcast. Um, we are very excited today. We have a great guest, and we're going to talk a little bit of Debbie. We're going to cover some rankings. We're going to go over current value, uh, projected value, all that good stuff. Um, before we get to that, though, I'll kick it over to my buddy, JC. JC, how are you doing tonight? Good, nerd. Um, very strange weather we're having here in the Northeast right now. I kind of feel like our guest a little bit on that West Coast. I, I My air quality is suffering a little <laughs> bit over here on the East Coast, so... Uh, prayers to Canada. Hopefully they, they figure out uh, a way to, to stop those fires and stuff. And, you know, hopefully we get that, that situated, but I'm excited to talk some Debbie football tonight with our, with our special guests. Yeah. I forgot you were an East coast guy. I was going to bring that up, but I didn't know if that was going to touch for anybody, but, um, it's, it's a little smoky. It's definitely, I, I get it, but I thought I was maybe overthinking it. And I was, I was, it was in my mind. I was playing mind games with myself, but um, if you're feeling it, I'm feeling it. So um, it's like apocalypse now. Yeah. <laughs> all right. But um, let's kick it off. So our guest tonight is a contributor to football guys. He is the Debbie Royale. He's kind of a, a godfather of Debbie on the Twitter streets. Um, he, is a good friend of JC and usually a good friend of mine most of the time. Um, without further ado, that's Kevin Coleman at Du Bois, twenty-two. Kevin, how you doing tonight? Hey, I'm good, man. I know you East Coasters. You're gonna. I've been dealing with bad smoke my whole life out here in the West Coast. Like it's it's weird. I was like, oh, first time, huh? That's that's cute. Um, but no, I'm glad to, I'm glad to be here. I appreciate you guys. Um, I like what you guys are building and, and how you conduct yourselves and just and you're pretty smart fantasy wise. So like I enjoy chopping it up with good people. Um, I don't do this as much anymore, but when I can, I definitely like jumping on with people I like. Yeah, we we appreciate it. We appreciate you coming on. Um, I know that when we started out the pod, you were very supportive, yeah. much like you are supportive in the space in general. You know, you're very supportive of people coming up and doing content creation. Um, that's something we're going to touch on a little bit later, but. You know, just to start off everything, we're just curious about how you really got into the space, how you started content creation, fantasy football. Um, we had Jay on last week and he was talking about, you know, getting a fantasy when he was in fifth grade. And um, <laughs> it's always fun to hear about where these guys start. So if you want to just, you know, give us a little short answer of, of how you got into it, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. I listened to last week's pod. Tell Jay to shut the hell up. He talked for like 27 minutes about a sixth grade like lunch uh, lunch thing going on. Um, no, you know, uh, you know, I started playing fantasy like everybody else in high school. Kind of just bounced around um, and just just getting with like my buddies. Like biggest big thing is is like that was one thing we kind of did. Like we played, I played football, and we had like our fantasy football league there and one of the cool ones that we did was we got invited to an adult league so me and my buddy in high school like his we didn't know at the time they thought we thought we were being cool but no they someone dropped that last minute and so you know how that works in fantasy and so he's like you want to come with us to this draft we're like all right and then i remember 
we just drafted all like cowboy players like drew bledsoe just just went crazy like old school um on that um and that's how i really just started playing fantasy and then you know as it kind of ballooned into other stuff i I dived into baseball a little bit but that's way too much now i can't i can't handle that um do a little bit basketball um but football has always kind of been easiest passion um and i kind of started there um as far as like how did i get involved in like this freaking weird space um you know and and covid year happened in that march and i didn't have anything to do um and i don't know if you guys know who john bauer is from dynasty theory uh he's He used to be heavy in the Twitter space and he calmed down and he went to discord. So he doesn't really, he'll make stupid dad jokes and stuff, but um, he was in a league with me. I was in a couple of leagues with him and he'd always post his like, you know, we were in different chats and he'd always post his podcast. And I was like, John, you're freaking annoying, dude. I don't want to listen to your podcast. And then like, um, I, I would slowly, you know, I, I was like, what is this? He's like, Oh, there's like a fantasy community. I'm like, that's the weirdest shit I've ever heard. What do you mean a fantasy community? Like what's going on? Cause like, I wasn't in that space. Um, and he's like, no, let's go. And then, so that, that was the first time too. I created my Twitter, like March, 2020 or whatever it was. And I just followed him. So him and Mitch and Dan, good guys. And like, that's how I just kind of got, got, you know, kind of introduced to the community a little bit. Um, and it was a weird time. It it was a weird, it's much different than it was three years ago. And I know that sounds crazy, but, um, it was much more, uh, about content and just kind of like uh, iron sharpens iron and there was no like hurt feelings like people just kind of let it fly and just kind of got into it and so that's kind of how i got my foot in the door um and then you know it, it, writing's tough like how i did it and i always tell this story for new content creators um i saw a, a company who's no longer around and they were advertising for um writers so I remember telling my wife, I'm like, hey, I got nothing to do. I'm going to write an article. And I wrote one about J.K. Dobbins. And I sent it in. And they sent it back. And they said, this is this is terrible. And you'd be better off never writing for fantasy sports again. Like, literally, that was the message I got. And so I could have just quit. I could have just been like, well, I suck. Um, and I remember being like, well, that's kind of messed up. Um, but I, I, but they were very harsh. And they were very critique. And I don't know. I read the piece. Um, I was like, I didn't think it was that bad, like shit. Uh, but like, uh, but that's that's how I got started. Like, they told me no, and then that kind of pissed me off. And I was like, no, I can do this. And so, like, my first introduction into space was literally telling, getting told, like, you're not good enough to write for any company. Um, and then now it's kind of blossomed into something else. But definitely, that was my first introduction into kind of fantasy. Nice. Is that company still around? I mean, obviously, we're not going to name them, but um they are not so it was kind of nice. one of those things where and, and they're you know I, i've met them and, I, and i've I, i've actually met them at the expo and stuff and it wasn't that i i thought they could have done things a little bit better but we see that a lot in the space in terms of like how people kind of you know they're you i'm sure they got a lot of applications and those type of things but what i would say for content creators is like use that shit right like i was told um by someone who i was actually I, I, we're still friends but he's like hey you don't need to do a youtube uh channel no one's gonna watch you and I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's, you know, I, I get it. And, and then like, and I, that stuck with me. And I didn't really start doing YouTube until like November of this last year. Um, and I was like, yeah, I know, actually, you know what? I'm going to do it. And so like, you're going to get that from a lot of people. So the biggest thing I say about that is just, just understand, like, if you believe in yourself and, and where you come from, 
um, and, and how you kind of do content, you're going to be a fine. Like, don't, don't, don't stress about that. Um, get a couple guys that support you and just kind of ride it out and, and don't worry about like the noise and all that kind of stuff. Cause in reality, this is a very cutthroat space. Everybody wants to, the one job that makes 50 grand a year and right. Like everybody wants that job and like everybody wants the, the clicks and all that. And, um, just be very careful with like, you know, who you trust, but also like, don't worry about their opinions. And just if you, if I, I only care, I send my articles to basically three people, Sam Wallace, he writes for MB fantasy life. Um, we kind of went into the space together. He started a little earlier than me. So I still send it to him. Um, I send it to my buddy, Nick P2W fantasy. And then I will occasionally send it to Jeff Bell, but that's kind of technically cause he's my boss. But other than that, I don't really listen to him too much. Um, but hold I, 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 hold on. Jeff Bell is your boss. Well, Jeff technically Bell? he's the dynasty lead at football guys. So technically oh, now I, he, he doesn't hold that over us, but like technically he's the, he's the dude. Um, but to his credit, he will he will let us do whatever we want. But every once in a while, I'm like, "Hey, does this sound right? Because what the what the hell am I talking about here?" And, and like, and, and to his credit, he's one of the better writers I've ever I've ever read. It's just so he yeah. gives me a little bit of feedback. But you just gotta have that you know the group, and then you know you start there, and you just kind of go. And and I bounced around a little bit uh, when I first started Fantasy Champions. Uh, it's not around anymore. I think they still have a YouTube channel. Um, they gave me my first shot, and I kind of just rolled with them for a little while. Um, Hammercast, which is not around anymore, they allowed me to do video, and like I just kind of learned as we went. And then, um, then I was able to get on with Fantasy Pros for like a year. And then you just kind of, you know, you 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 go through the lumps, and you just kind of take it, and you you kind of work there, and you, and you just be consistent, and you'll be fine. It's just it, it's a lot, it's a lot of there. And I, I would just I'd be honest with you for content creators out there, you know, don't overexpand yourself. Like I see a lot of creators work for like seven different companies. And that's super hard to do because, you know, you got to make content for everybody. You're never going to make anybody happy. Like it just, it's just narrow your focus and, and just say, Hey, and I will say this too. Like if a company really likes you, a bigger company, and they see that you're working for so many companies, they will be hesitant to add you because then they're going to piss off seven other companies or they're going to make those players, you know, those, those companies mad. So just try to keep it narrow, find your focus. If you like video, do video and those type of things. And that's really how I came up. That's kind of how I, I did it. And you just kind of grind and go. I knew nobody. So there's no nepotism with me. Like I still don't really talk to the big dogs. Like I, I kind of just hang out by myself, created my own thing. Um, I like them. I respect them, but I don't make content for them. I make it for regular people. Um, and that's kind of how I've always kind of just been. That's just who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we all love what you do and, and you love you in the space. And, um, you're somebody that I, I haven't been on Twitter for too long, but like I, I gravitated towards you because I definitely saw you as a real person. Um, and you know, I think that's appreciated in the space for sure. I don't know. Um, sometimes, but, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I appreciate it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So we always do a favorite TV show on the show. So we like to get into the guest favorite TV show and then ask what um, character on that TV show would make the best dynasty manager. So I don't know what you, uh, what you have in store yeah. for, your, for your show. So I was telling you guys pre-show, I, my life consists of fantasy family and like work. Um, and so like, I don't have a ton of time for TV show. I like Ted Lasso, but I know Jay talked about it for 75 minutes last show. So I'm not going to do that. I won't, I won't do that. Um, I'm going to, you know, my favorite show of all time so I'm just, is Friday Night Lights. And it might be cliche or, but, and it's a TV show. I, I love the movie, 
but the TV show outside of the weird murder plot in season two is excellent. Like that, that is an excellent um, show. And to me, it's Eric Taylor, right? Like what he did with the lions and how he kind of built the roster and how he kind of built around a Konami code quarterback um, in seasons four and five and everything kind of fits well. Um, that is by far, like if I watch any show, like if I'm working out or whatever, I will pop on Friday night lights. It's actually Back in the day, I mean, you're you're young, Mike. And you both are younger than me. Like, I used to have to buy the DVDs wait, and shit. Wait, so no, like, dude. How how old are you, Kevin? I'm 34. Yeah, I'm 35. Oh, okay, on. you're old as shit. But JC's younger yeah. then. Yeah, JC's 27. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. See, so I was buying DVDs. That Friday Night Lights is actually the first. I remember it's the first DVD set I bought all the seasons on DVD in college. Um, and I was like, and I, and you know, you're called, you're broke. You spend some money on it. Like I actually legit yeah. spent my money on this and we used to watch all the time. Like, um, I love that. I loved it. I, I really love that show, but yeah, Kyle Chandler, man, he, you, you know, he was a great actor, Eric Taylor, um, kind of built that roster. He, he could do that in fantasy. Nice. Yeah, I, mean, I, I have to be honest. I, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, JC. I yeah. just say clear eyes, full hearts can't lose. That's right. Coach Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> I think he would yeah. be the obvious the obvious answer. The guy the, who is the opposing coach that tackled Tim Riggins <laughs> oh, on the yeah. field. That guy would go to any lengths <laughs> whatsoever to win. So I kind of like that energy as well. Um, but Jason Street, you know, he take he takes yeah. his legs away. He's still got the cerebral ability to go out there, call plays, you know, develop an offense. So I'll go with Streeter. Uh, not seven, not Matt Saracen. I I think Matt Saracen genuinely doesn't like football. Yeah, I think that's the that's the impression that I got that he just was playing it because he was just a victim victim of circumstance living in small town Texas that he had to play football. Yeah, right. Saracen uh, bothers me a little bit. I, I didn't like his character too much. I love my boy Timmy Tim Riggins, um, but two no nah, Tim Tim's one of those guys that orphans after a year because he sold all his picks and then he just kind of <laughs> went for it. That's how you end up in jail. Like that's that's Tim Riggins uh, style. <laughs> I have never watched Friday Night Lights, the the show. Oh, so I man. I know. So it's, it's something that I'll probably have to watch now. But um, I, so I always try to get the guy's show before we get on because we had somebody else that I, I've never seen the show. So I always like throw it on Netflix or something for a minute just so I, I have some context. But how can you never watch Friday Night Lights? What, how how does that happen? How I don't know, man. I don't know. I when did when did it come out? I don't. It's like been around. Oh seven, I think. Yeah, yeah somewhere around oh seven. Oh seven. Hell of a salesman. He could probably yeah. he could probably trade with anybody. Yeah. Uh -huh. Oh seven. I mean, that's a weird time for me. There's no way that <laughs> <laughs> I was like twelve so watching weird. watching. Um, what was it Mika Kelly? Yeah, Derek Jeter's old girlfriend. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was like twelve years old watching Mika <laughs> Kelly, Lila Garrity. Yeah, that, that was, was a big time, big time moment, was... developmental moment in my life. Derek Jeter, Mount Rushmore, Mika Kelly, baby. That yeah. uh, that that was that was one of them. I'll 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 watch it and then I'll I'll send you a DM and we'll talk. All about right. It but yeah, so the topic of the show today, I figured we could touch on a little bit of Devi yeah. because being a new podcast, we haven't really had a, a Devi episode and you are a Devi guy. You are somebody that is always trying to teach people about Devi. And anytime I see somebody with a negative Devi comment on Twitter, you are there to just, you know, Ted Lasso <laughs> them and just say, excuse me, sir, this is not right. This is not okay. Um, so I, I, you know, I figured Devi kind of fits there. Um, so I, what I was thinking, we could go through our top three and then put them where we have valued as far as, 
um, in the NFL. You know what I mean? Like we'll yeah. go through the quarterbacks, the wide receivers and the running backs and just talk about where we can see them kind of going right now in startups um, relative to the NFL. And then maybe what, what we see happening with their value after this year too. So what, yeah. what we would ideally happen if they have a good year coming up um, in the NFL draft, uh, assuming that nobody Keishan Butte is and, and just falls off the face of the earth. But I don't think that's pretty out of the question for, for at least the top three in these classes, but you never know. Um, so we'll go into quarterbacks first. And I think it's pretty chalk as far as the one one um, for everyone in quarterback, Caleb, for, for all of us, I'm sure. Unless. Nah. No. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> Caleb's a one-on-one. I mean, it, it's hard, hard press to find anybody else you're going to draft there in Debbie. Yeah. And, um, what I'm seeing with Caleb is he's going, in the combined drafts that I see like mid second, um, he really falls into, I, I have him valued higher than this and I'm going to touch on where you have him in a second, but I, he's falling like where like Dak is kind of going right now, like in the, the mid second, I know that you love, you love some Dak, but, um, where do you have him as far as rankings go against the, the current, um, QBs in the, in the NFL? Yeah, so um, I you know I was touching on this today because I asked some questions about this. I actually have him. I need to flip it, so I'm gonna flip it right now on the show. But I have him. I'm gonna put him at nine. Um, uh, so I have him um, right after. So obviously the top five are pretty set in stone. I know you guys love Burrow and Herbert, and then we have like Fields, Lawrence, and Jackson, Lamar, and then so I have I have Caleb right after Lamar, and then right ahead of Kyler Murray and Deshaun. So like I kind of have him in that tier. Um, but he's definitely a top 10 guy. So like, if you're, if you're thinking like where he's going, so if he's going mid second and in those type of drafts, I actually like that value to be honest, because I did a, we did a Debbie dynasty mock and he went at one Oh eight recently. So if you're thinking of like where he's, it depends really Debbie's so subjective too. So like, it really depends on like who's in that damn draft and how they draft, but no, Caleb to me is a top 10 asset and I would have him there. Um, I'm really high on Lamar this year. That's why I'm going to switch them. But that's kind of generally speaking where I have those two. Yeah, that sounds that sounds good to me. I would probably I would definitely have Lamar over him. Um, how about Fields? You you think Fields or or Caleb? Uh, it, you know, Fields is tough for me, but I have Fields at six, so I I got to yeah. stick with my board. I I, I think Fields is going to be fine. I think they built into him. I think that rushing upside helps. I think that giving him weapons will help. Um, Generally speaking, though, they're in the same tier. So, like, if you're if you're sitting there, so how I look at tiers is if someone offers me, if if I have my quarterbacks in the same tier and I can get a plus asset with it for that said quarterback. So, if like, I could get, you know, let's say I want to, I have Justin Fields and someone's offers me Caleb Williams in a first or a second or some type of asset, I'll just take the other. I'll take Caleb Williams in the asset because they're same tier for me. I'm like, whatever, that doesn't necessarily matter. Um, that's kind of generally speaking how I look at tiers. Um, but yeah, that's it's close, and I understand that Caleb's probably a better passer, but you still got to go with what you produce on the field and that fantasy upside too. So like, I think that that's the hard part about Debbie Dynasty combined. Yeah, for sure. JC, anything to add as far as where you value him or where you think you you see no, him like, going? I've done one Debbie Dynasty startup this off season. I think he went one ten in it, but I think that was back in like February or maybe early March or something like that. So I think it's I think that's right around where where he should go. Um, 
yeah, I mean, the Justin Fields thing is interesting. I have him at QB6 as well. And if you go on Twitter and you say that Justin Fields is QB6, you'll just be inundated with people saying <laughs> that he can't throw the ball and he's a running back and that's that's the end all be all. So I like Justin Fields, though. I don't think I would – I don't think at this present moment I could trade Justin Fields for a projected early 2024 first-round pick if I'm a dynasty owner. I yeah. think it's irresponsible to do. So I would keep Justin Fields, but I completely understand – them being in the same tier, if you know for a fact if this is a Debbie Lee, you are trading for Caleb Williams and not potentially the right to draft Caleb Williams. They're different things, but different formats entirely as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, so we're going to move on to Drake May. I believe that's probably our consensus too in this class currently. Um, Drake for me is uh, he's somebody that is hard to value currently. Um, but he's actually who I would probably project next to Dak. And I think I have Kyler kind of in that, that range right now too. Um, but that's really dependent on this coming year for me, as far as where I can, I can throw him. but he's definitely in that like fourth, third, third to fourth tier for me. Um, I don't know where you have him, Kevin. So this is where we're going to kind of not necessarily disagree. Um, I'm a Debbie quarterback snob where I don't value these guys outside of like the elite. Now I like Drake. I would say like there's only three quarterbacks that I would draft in Debbie and that's Drake drew Aller, and, and Caleb Williams right now. I think the question mark I have for Drake may is, you know, down the stretch of last season, he struggled a little bit. And if you go back and watch the bull game, I, you know, QB school is a really good resource. It's free-ish if you could join their Patreon if you want. But he broke down the Drake May kind of tape in that bull game. And there's some things he's got to work on. You know, when you're looking at his mechanics, I think he can rush him. Um, I, I think he has intangibles. And then it's funny, I went on a podcast and they were like, well, Drake May is the uh, his Konami and he can run. I'm like, listen, we're not doing this again with Sam Howe and Drake May where they, these guys are going to be dual threats. I mean, I literally got like death threats a couple years ago when I said Sam Howell is not a dual threat quarterback. Like it was insane. And like, to me, when you're looking at Drake may, like he's not dual threat, he's functional. He has athleticism, but he's not going to give you that. He's got to work on his passing. And I do know that the NIL stuff was real. Like Alabama was going after Drake may. And I know that he told that coaching staff, you got to get someone here that's going to improve my, uh, you know, my quarterback outlook at the NFL level. Um, so he knows he's going to work on it. I have him at QB 18 overall. So like I actually have him behind Tua. Um, he's in like the Bryce, CJ, Trey Lance, Tua, Drake May area, but that's just because in my eyes, like I'm very, I'm very concerned about Debbie quarterbacks. It's, it's apparent he's probably going to go top 10, but if he doesn't, then we're talking about another situation where you lose value and you lose in that kind of area there. I have seen him go like ahead of Marvin Harrison jr. In startups, which is hmm not what you do in Debbie. Like that is not, you take yeah. Marvin Harrison Jr. there. Um, so that is, I think the number one mistake new Debbie people make is they overvalue that quarterback position. And May is one of those guys. Like I see a lot of QB one takes out there for May. And I saw, I think PFN or somebody else had that. That's okay. Like you could have that take, but in Debbie, like when you're drafting, you're not taking Drake May one. That's just not what you're going to do. Like that's not, that's not a good value play. Um, but I have him in that tier just because of the quarterback position. I just get a little nervous. Yeah. I hear you. What about you, JC? Yeah. Um, I think people are kind of setting Drake May and Stone as the QB two in 2024. And I think he's still got a little bit of meat on the bone left for him to really solidify that, that value. 
you think about he loses Josh Downs, who has been a target hog there in that UNC offense the last couple of years. Now the remaining target number one for the mm-hmm. offense is Bryson Nesbitt, the tight end. They brought in Devontae Walker from Kent State. But all in all, it's not as strong of a supporting cast as that offense has had the last couple of years. So Drake May is really going to have to take that next step in his progression with less talent around him. So it's uh, it's an interesting situation. I think he probably is the QB2 because I think the offense has just been set up for him to do that. But they do lose their offensive coordinator. So I'm not entirely sure what to expect from Drake May. I think he's put out the numbers that he's the QB2 right now, but I think that kind of just showcases that Caleb Williams is in a class of his own, really. Yeah, I agree. There's a massive teardrop. So after the QB one of this class and then after the wide receiver one of this class, like it's, it's significant, you know, like, like Kevin just talked about, we're, we're talking about a, uh, almost a 10 spot drop for Drake from Caleb for his rankings. Um, so that's, that's pretty significant. Would you take Drake or Bryce right now as far as Bryce? Yeah. He just went one on one, right? Like that. I mean, so like when I look at like Debbie Dynasty, kind of, all right, how does this look for value wise? You would hope May goes top five. That's what we hope happens. We don't know if that's going to happen. Where we know Bryce's capital, okay, I'll take that. We know he's going to build around him, and you know he holds that value. Um, I always sign. I am a snob, guys, when it comes to like Debbie NFL. I always side with NFL. And the reason why I do that, and all, I wouldn't say all, always, always, but like 98% of the time is because I think the biggest detriment to this format is Debbie analysts always going after college guys and saying, oh, this is the next best thing. We see it on Twitter all the time. And I hate it because then you get like some of these other guys out there that say, oh, these Debbie bros are wrong. And I hate, I, first of all, don't call people bros. That's one of my pet peeves. But also like, that is just that's not that's bad for the format. Like, stop touting these guys that like Blake Corm's one of these ones that's gonna kill me. Like, he's gonna kill me because I see a lot of Debbie people who love college football, but they haven't necessarily figured out how to project these guys for the NFL. So, like, that's the thing with May. Like, we think he's gonna be there, but Young's already 101. I'll take that all day. Like, that is kind of like in the format and trying to grow it. That's the number one detriment to the format right now. And I, and, and we saw that with Tank Bigsby a little bit. People were like, oh, he's just a Debbie darling, blah, blah, blah. But then he got day two capital. And now, like, now, now they're still finding ways to hate him. But like for us, when we ranked, we had Tank pretty high in our rankings for football guys in the Debbie Royale because we just said, hey, he's probably going to get day two capital. And we got subtweeted like all offseason. And then he got day two capital and it was quiet. But the reason why like we we do that is because it's like, hey, we're pretty we're pretty dialed into what these guys look for. We don't have a ton of misses. Um, we still miss, but like that's rooted in our rankings. Like that's rooted in what we're trying to do to help grow the format. Cause the easiest way to quit this format is to miss on these guys. And you're like, well, dumbass, you told me to take so-and-so. And it's like, well, yeah, my bad. Like that happens sometimes. Um, but that's, I'm really like adamant about that. Like, especially cause I see a lot of newer guys what happens to, and not saying it's anybody out there. I see a lot of dynasty analysts. They don't get footing in dynasty. And because it's hard, it's saturated. There's a lot of people out there. And then what they say, oh, I'll just try this Debbie shit. And it's like, well, no, it's not just trying this Debbie thing. It takes time. It takes like, you got to really dive into it. Um, and that, that's actually a detriment to the format too. Sorry, I went on a little tirade. But that's that's just like NFL, the, the college side. I've always side with NFL if I already know the draft capital. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. It's, it's really 
going to a less saturated market when people jump into Devi because they think that it's going to be an easier get and people are going to you know make a name for themselves. Um, but there is a lot of takes out there that are working in absolutes when it comes to Devi, mm-hmm. and it's such an, a, a thing you just can't talk in absolutes when it comes to Devi. You know, you can talk projections or you know possibilities, but um, there, anything can happen, and it's it's tough, especially with QBs. You know, we we saw so many quarterbacks in the last three years where we had them highly projected. And um, we just talked about Howell and, you know, that, that whole tier of quarterback as far as that class goes. And it was, you know, they were all going in the fourth and fifth round. So it's, it's really, you know, it, there's the ultimate decider in draft capital. And then um, you don't really know how they're looking at, at quarterbacks in the NFL for the most part. Um, but I think this is going to be the most, talked about thing leading up where we don't even know exactly who the QB two is of this class with certainty. So who do we think the QB three of this class is? Um, I think it's really between yours and Allard for the most part for a lot of people. I think I'll take Quinn. Um, but that is a coin flip. I think, I don't know. I think you, you want Allard, right? As far as the QB three of the class, Kevin. Uh, let me see. What does JC want? I, I want to know where are you. What do you have? Because I don't know what your rankings are. Who do you have as your QB three? I was ready to hear you talk about Drew Alar for probably like five minutes. Um, so I was I was just going to let you talk about Drew Alar. I think he probably has the higher ceiling, but he has the higher ceiling because we haven't seen him play yet. Yeah. So it's it's the it's the unknown. Like, hey, Drew Alar, he's six five, two forty. He can throw it all over the yard. Like maybe he's the next thing. We thought the same thing about Quinn Ewers with this this great Texas supporting cast around him, and then he goes out and lays an egg more or less for for his second season, especially off of five star recruiting status and stuff. So, I like the idea of Quinn Ewers taking that next step. I'm not necessarily sold that it's 100 percent going to happen. I like the idea of Drew Lard being the next big thing. I'm not necessarily 100 percent sold that it's going to yeah. happen either. So, I think I. I think I probably would would lend to take the guy that I haven't seen play yet because he could hit that ceiling. I'm I just have a stale taste in my mouth from Quinn Ewers kind of laying an egg last year. So that's just the brutal truth of, of the matter, really. I, I would say the biggest difference between Aller and Ewers is Aller got this Aller had a more um traditional route as a quarterback. So Ewers went to Ohio State, didn't play, wasn't ready. He he came out earlier, right? He was 17. So like last year was his real like, oh shit, I'm playing Alabama and I looked pretty good playing Alabama. Then I got hurt. And then like he really struggled down that stretch. I mean, he was bad. I remember I remember watching Ewers in that Oklahoma State game thinking, oh my gosh, this kid is struggling out here. And and then you have to catch yourself a little bit and realize like this is the first time he's played real football in two years, essentially. So like, I'm like, I'm, I have viewers high, just like you guys. I still have him as my QB four overall. Like, so like, I still banking on that talent. Like when you watch, I mean, he was one of the highest talent, you know, talent, you know, recruits coming out of high school. He's there for me. I have all her kind of why, what JC talked about. Like we don't necessarily know yet, but the times he came out last year, he looks good. I like the offense that he's in. They're going to protect him with the running backs. Katron Allen and Singleton might be the best duo in there in, in the Big Ten. They're going to challenge there. 
I, I don't love their wide receiver room, but I don't hate it. I think that they have some very solid pieces. It really like, I have a soft spot in my heart for Keandra, uh, Keandre um, Lambert Smith. I don't know what it is, but I, I like him. Like I like his upside. I do like it there. So like, I think that they're, they're right there. And, and I think Dante Cephas will be fine. I don't love um, non-power five to power five, but I think he'll be okay there. Um, the real is Caden Sa Saunders is going to step up and be out there. So like, but then you go to Texas and they have a legit wide receiver room and then they got like very good runner and their offensive line is probably a little bit better too. So like, I think it could be one of these guys toss up. I usually, when I, when I look at this, like I always take the cheaper one. Um, but in this instance, like all to me is worth the risk almost like, cause you're really betting on ceiling and upside. Um, yours, you could still pretty good value. So I don't mind if you want to take a shot on him either. Uh, but I would lean kind of to like, Yours was bad last year at different times. Aller has not been that. What can he kind of step up and be? But again, we haven't seen Penn State really have a quarterback that, you know, hasn't, they haven't produced one yet. So, like, that's the other thing, like, you have to look at with Debbie and just, do, okay, are they going to be able to produce this kid? Can Franklin do that in that offense? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. I think I think the lore for me is the the weapons over at Texas and, yeah. and what he's going to be working with for the most part. Um, but other than that, you're right though. He he did nothing to kind of put me towards ranking him that high um, last year. But I think it's just more of a projection of his his jump up into a, a you know a very I'm not going to say excellent QB, but he's definitely going to be a very good starter. Um, yeah. but you know, I, I think it's, it's up for debate for sure. Um, something that's not up for debate is the wide receiver one of Debbie and, and that is Marvin Harrison jr. Um, you know, I think he has the chance of being somebody in that JT and chase tier, tier um, almost immediately as far as value goes. Um, and, and that's something that, you know, we haven't seen in the last couple of classes as far as elite talent goes. Um, Kevin, how do you feel about him moving into that JT tier at, at some point, if not right now? It's so hard, man. Like, so like when you're looking at like I, doing Debbie, I, if you, if you play Debbie, you should do Debbie dynasty rankings because it's incredibly difficult and it really makes you like, all right, where would I do this? Cause then you have to start thinking like, all right, do I put Jalen Waddle ahead of Garrett Wilson? Or do I put Gar or, or excuse me, Marvin Harrison jr. Like where do these guys go? If I was offered that, would I accept that? And like, and then you try to think like, all right, where's the value? Um, I probably be lower on him. I know Christian Williams is higher on Marvin in terms of like combined rankings. I have Marvin at seven. So behind the two top guys you talked about, Brown, Lamb, Waddle, Wilson, and then I have Marvin Harrison. Um, but that's just being conservative because I'm a little conservative on that on that mindset. I don't think he does a Kayshawn Boutte. I think he's a, I you know I really think Harrison can get top five draft capital next year. Like I really think a team's going to be like, yeah, that's our guy. We're going to go grab him top five, um, especially with all the draft capital that's gone traded already. So yeah, I have him in that top seven area. But yeah, like you said, if he gets drafted to a team and you're like, oh, he's got a quarterback and he's the wide receiver one. I mean, a guy like AJ Brown could easily slip out as he's 25, and you know what happens in in Dynasty? They turn 26, and like you know, JC's he's borderline tear break, right? He's he's he already hit his age cliff. Me and Mike, we're dead, like we already retired. And so, like when you're looking at age cliff wise, like that's kind of how it looks. I think Marvin can play his way in there. Um, 
he is one of the most complete prospects I've seen. And I think the the the, the crazy thing about Marvin Harrison Jr. is that dude gained like 30 pounds from his high yeah. school senior year to now. That dude is and he yeah. didn't he didn't drop like speed, athleticism. If anything, he actually got freaking faster. So, like, that's the scary thing. And I was talking about that with someone the other day. I was like, Marvin Harrison Jr. might actually be like. We haven't maybe not seen a ceiling yet. Like we actually may have still, he's still got some room to grow. So yeah, I think out of anybody, him and Garrett Wilson to me are the two guys that could sneak into maybe that tier one. And I'm a little higher on Garrett. I've always been higher on Garrett. But when you're thinking of like those top four guys, like I think that we could realistically see Jefferson, Chase, Harrison, and Wilson at that as the four elite guys with Waddle. If Hill moves on, then you you expect that top five. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if you look at their analytical profiles between Marvin Harrison Jr. and Jamar Chase as sophomore wide receivers, they're essentially the exact same with mm-hmm. receptions, reception yards, receiving yards per team pass attempt, dominator rating. So you are talking about a guy that is in that in that tier, that echelon of future prospect and Jamar Chase, like we know, got top five draft capital as well. I think he got robbed of the Blitnikoff trophy this past year. I think he's going to probably come out and go scorched earth. Yeah. So we'll see, but I'm I'm excited to watch Marvin Harrison Jr. play. I think, like you said, he's probably a lock for top five. Category. I think he should just sit out. If I was him, yeah, I right? just, as a Michigan fan, <laughs> you should just sit out. Don't worry about Marvin. You're going to go get top five. Just, yeah. just don't play the year. You're fine. Don't risk it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't hate that move either. But um, for for Marvin, where do you think you would have him? So. All right, so ranking-wise, I don't have your rankings in front of me, but we're talking um, JJ, Chase. Yeah. You're a Cowboys fan, so I'm going to say CD over I got AJB. CD in there, yeah. yeah. AJB and then yep. Wilson and Waddle. And Waddle. Is that how? Yeah. So you have him behind Waddle or ahead of Waddle? Right. I have him behind. So I have Marvin at seven, I have Waddle at five, and Wilson at six. Gotcha. Yeah, that feels, that feels right right now. I don't think I could put him over Waddle. Um, but like you said, if he gets top five and he's landing in a great spot, I think it's wheels up as far as him just <laughs> going, going up into that tier almost, you know, first year if, mm-hmm. if he does show out and produce. Um, but I think we'll, we'll move on to the next guy and that's, uh, a Mecca for me, Mecca Abuka. So I don't know where you guys are, but he's firmly into the uh, wide receiver two of this class for me. Um, I don't know yeah. where yeah, you guys you, are at. When you talk about Robbins, so there's Batmans and Robbins, Marvin Harrison Jr. being the Batman of that team, Emeka Buka being the de facto Robin, quote-unquote. If you look at other Robins over the last few years where you have Justin Jefferson, Chris Olave, Henry Ruggs, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell, in all of those sophomore seasons that includes uh, Justin Jefferson in that national championship season, uh, Emeka Ibuka is ahead of all of them in in terms of his analytical profile and reception yards, reception yard, uh, receptions market share, receiving yards per team pass attempt, dominator rating. So you're talking about a guy that has that kind of profile already, and now he's just going to be getting uh, even less target competition now with it's just him and Marvin Harrison Jr. really at, at receiver for, for the Ohio State team. You have a couple of the freshmen coming in with Carnell Tate and um, – Brandon Ennis and stuff, but for the most part, it's going to be those two that are going to be commanding huge amounts of target shares from whoever the quarterback is going to be there between McCord and Devin Brown. So I think I took Emeka Buka, what, 105 in your latest uh, 
Devi mock draft, Kevin. So yeah. I'm really high on Emeka Ibuka. I don't think there's a possibility that he's not a first-round pick unless he just absolutely falls on his face in terms of testing. But I think the production's going to be there at the end of the day. I think he's pretty safe. He was a five-star recruit coming in. Marvin Harrison yeah. Jr. was a four-star recruit. So that kind of goes to show exactly what kind of player Emeka Ibuka was coming in. And I don't think he's done anything to deter us from that original assessment. You know who Mecca reminds me of? It's always funny. Like, you remember when I used to play pickup ball all the time in the basketball courts? You know that dude that shows up in jeans and just freaking balls out? Like, you're looking at this guy and you're just like, who the hell is this guy? Like, I didn't expect him to, like, really pop off. Like, when I watched Mecca's tape and I went back into it, it's just like, this dude is always damn open. Like, and 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 he does things that just separates himself. I think he's versatile. I think he can play outside a little bit. I don't think he's stuck inside at the slot position. Um, really good balance, uh, able to kind of catch radius and hands. And I'm glad you brought up like some of the advanced stuff. I do some advanced stats. I just don't put them out there because I don't want to get yelled at by the analytics community because I can't really do math very well. Um, but his, <laughs> his experience adjusted receiving yards per team pass attempt. What I did one time when I was doing a video is I broke down him with Garrett Wilson, Chase, Marvin Harrison Jr., Mecca, Justin Jefferson, Devonta Smith. He, you know, his sophomore year, he absolutely crushed Devonta and Justin Jefferson, and he was right there with Marvin. And so, like, when you're looking from that profile, he's going to produce, he's going to get first round draft capital unless he completely drops off. And to me, he's in a tier of himself in that, in the wide receiver two mark. Like, it's, it's Marvin tier, Mecca tier. And then it's going to be, okay, who can maybe slip in there? Um, but yeah, he just, you know what, too? Like, I know people say not the helmet scout, but you know what Ohio State produces? Wide receiver ones and twos in fantasy. They just do. Yeah. And you just, just factory, man. They're just, just they're just producing them and producing stop them. Fading people. End. Like, just yeah. stop it. That's why I was a big Garrett Wilson guy last year. And to be honest, and another thing for everybody out there listening, Garrett Wilson on that same list his sophomore year, he was ahead of all those guys. Chase, Jefferson, Harrison. Like, get that's that's the profile that these guys have. Um, but yeah, don't, don't worry about helmet scouting. You can still do that, especially when they're good. Like when they just produce these wide receiver ones and twos, stop overthinking it. Like stop wasting. I, I mean, I cannot believe, you know, two years ago, I mean, last year, Garrett Wilson was getting drafted. Some drafts as wide receiver three. Can you believe that? Like, oh, yeah. and I, and I remember tweeting out like people, what are you doing? And I got quote tweeted by a few people that were like, Oh, Garrett Wilson, blah, blah, blah. Like he hops when he, what, get the hell out of here. Like this kid's just a bona fide star. Ameka is one of those guys, like, and it's hard to put him anywhere, but two. And when you lie and you watch him, you're like, dude, this guy, this kid just, he just, he knows how to play wide receiver and he just gets open. He separates. He's going to earn targets. And like, that's the thing. And I think teams are going to love this kid. If, if, if Zay Flowers gets, and I like Zay, I was a say guy like three years ago. I was, I like Zay, but like, if Zay Flowers gets drafted number 22 overall, Ameka's going to go higher than that, in my opinion. For sure. Yeah. I see him as like a top 12 pick if, if it continues the Could way be. it is, but you know, the way that NFL is targeting wide receivers now, I don't, I don't see that's out of the realm of possibilities. Um, but currently right now, where would you have him? Do you have him in like a, yeah. a not in a Monra territory, but maybe no. like a, a Higgins, would you like put him in the Higgins tier or no, so wow. I'm a hater. I'm a hater. So like, again, I, it is really hard when you look at the De Debbie and dynasty, there's so many wide receivers y'all like they're just like, they're all just, there's so many. So like, I actually have them at wide receiver 20. So I have them in like the that Godwin Addison uh, and that, that tier. Um, because I'm looking at Addison, generally speaking, if he gets that same draft capital, that's essentially what you're kind of like 
low end wide receiver two. He gets a good spot. He's that beta. He's that kind of Robin in an offense. Then you're like the Devonta Smith. So I have Devonta like 17 in my combined rankings, like somewhere in there. That's more where I'd be comfortable with the Mecca. Um, but again, I might be too low. Maybe he turns into Amon Ra and I look like a dumbass. But like, I think in that low end wide receiver two range is where I'd be comfortable putting him at right now. Yeah. Well, Devonta at 17 feels low to me, but I'm not going to tell you. Well, these are combined. combined. These are a little combined. Yeah. So remember, like. Okay. Yeah. 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 So it's probably Jeff Bell. Probably. Actually, no, <laughs> Jeff Bell's an no, these are mine. Like, these are mine. Looks- these are mine. Oh, Jeff's an ages, bro. He's got. He, yeah. He does not. Anybody over 25, you're dead. He ain't putting you in his rankings. Right? I know. He doesn't care about so, you. So, yeah. I heard him talking the other day about Cup and, and how he's going to die on your roster probably this year. And that's I think that's probably accurate, but I think he put on uh, DeMonte Adams in that category too. Um, yeah. Yeah, so he thinks De- Stefan Diggs, DeMonte Adams, and Cup are all going to die this year. That's that's where Jeff Bell is. But he, <laughs> Yes, he does. I, I'm not on the Cooper train. I think Cooper's got two more years. Um, but the other two, maybe. Maybe they do die. Yeah, they could die. Um, but let's let's move it on to uh, wide receiver three of the class. I think that's probably going to change from guy to guy here, but I'm going yeah. Luther Burden for my wide receiver three. I don't know where you guys are at. Um, Luther, look at you. I haven't yeah. heard Luther wide receiver three. You're, you're pretty high on him then. I am um, very high on Luther. Yeah. <laughs> um, who do I have at wide receiver? I got Evan Stewart. Yeah, this Evan is the Stewart. Evan Stewart versus Luther Burden. Like, that's uh, it. That's the fight. Yeah, I, this is the I fight. I talked about that today actually with a couple people, and I was saying, yeah. you know, Are you an Evan Stewart or a Luther Burden? Um, it's essentially guy. like, you know, I, they're very close. So I have, I have Evan at three worthy at four and burden at five. So like they're, they're essentially, um, you know, what you want there. I, I have Evan Stewart at three, just because I, you know, I honestly, when we were do- diving into this and from the analytical profile, it's funny because weighted dominator burden did hit the threshold of 20%, but it's because his touchdown dominator was like 46% or something like that. Cause he scored all those touchdowns. Whereas Stewart you know, when you do adjust the dominator, he's close. It's just that he didn't get the touchdowns and they really struggled on offense last year. I, you know who I see in Evan Stewart? And it's, it's, it's a, it's, I'm going to get kind of canceled because he's not as big. So we're not talking about weight, but the dude's got, a, it's, he's got Jamar chasing saying, him a little bit. He's oh. got, a, he's got a little like, he's got some dog in him to go up on the outside and go get it. Like when I watch his tape, I love, he just goes and gets, he goes and gets that damn ball and his ability to kind of have that good catch radius and everything there. Like, that's why I have Evan Stewart at three burden is like Debo to me in terms of like what he can be on the field. And definitely is there. It's just that Missouri offense sucks, man. Like what, who's going to be throwing in the ball? What is that going to look like? Um, but Evan's my three, but it, they're very close. Those guys are in my tier, like essentially, Hey, you know, it's basically who you like. Yeah. Burden does feel like Debo. Um, mm-hmm. as far as skill set goes. And um, I think that's maybe what attracts me to him the most, but he is somebody I value really high and I, I've been taking him everywhere that I can get him. And it's great that I, nobody values him the way that I value him. But um, I think, I think he's going to produce. I'm not that nervous about the Missouri offense. I think he's going to be manufactured touches. They're going to find a way to get him the ball. They get the ball in his hands for sure. Um, but JC, who do you have at three? I like Malik Neighbors. Whoa! I think I think, I think Malik Neighbors is going to be a first round pick next year as long as he stay away from the handguns like John Morant. Um, that being said, I think he does a really good job of playing with the ball um, after the catch. I think he does a really good job of turning turning some of these 
shorter shorter gains, some of these end arounds into into big home run plays and stuff like that. And to not cancel myself as well, but to make another lofty comparison, I see a little bit of like CeeDee Lamb in Malik, in Malik Neighbors' game, that he has a little bit of like that yak ability that he showcased at Oklahoma as well some, during some of those highlights and stuff. So we're talking about a guy that had over a 1,000 yards and everybody's making these excuses for Keishon Boutte that he couldn't produce because the quarterback play was bad. Well, it was the same quarterback for Malik Neighbors, and he was doing just fine last year. So I, I really like Malik Neighbors, and I – I just feel more comfortable making the bet on a guy that is a year out because I think it's a, it's easier to project. There's not as much that can happen between now and NFL draft 2024, as opposed to now and NFL draft 2025, 2026. Like there's a lot of stuff that could happen between now and then I think yeah. Malik neighbors has showed you against elite competition that he could produce. So I like Malik neighbors. Nice. All three different. I like it. I like the variance. I don't like the the centipede thing going on that most people have. <laughs> well, that's but. like what it should be in Debbie. Like you got to have different guys out there because you know you, you're all projecting differently. Um, and, and I like I like Matthew Golden a lot, probably more than a lot of people do. And like and that's okay. Like that's what we're trying to do here, and not have the. I, I hate those areas. Like oh well, the, I I you know what I word I hate the most in Debbie consensus. <laughs> Get that freaking word out of here. There's no consensus Debbie players. And like ADP and Debbie, it makes me laugh all the time. The ADP and Debbie is just because, you know, us 12 do a Debbie mock and then people steal it and say, there's the ADP. That's it's it's just crap. Like it, there is no such thing. So like that's what I always tell people too. like, well, you know, should I drop this guy? Do you think he'll fall? I don't know because in Debbie, some dude might love Malik Neighbors and take him as the wide receiver three, and you're screwed. And you're sitting there in the second round, and you're like, "Oh, I wish I would have taken Malik." So, like, I am a very advocate of getting your guy in Debbie because there's no freaking consensus. Like, it's so funny to me when I hear that word in Debbie; it makes me laugh all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's that's what I love about Debbie. You know, I love yeah. that there's you can go get your guy, you can be high on somebody. Um, you know, and, and you can't really fault anybody for being high on somebody else unless it's Zach Evans, um, because yeah. then you get reminded over and over every day about how high you were on Zach Evans, especially on the podcast. Um, so a good segue from wide receivers is we'll go over to running backs and we will talk about our one. Um, I know that I already know that JC is off. I think that Kevin shares the same one as me, but Trevion is the one. Um, for Kevin and I, I think, and yeah. JC, why don't you, uh, why don't you drop the bomb of your one and we'll, we'll, well kind of go one, off of that. My one is Raheem Rocket Sanders. Um, unlike, unlike your RB one, who I think is a very good player in his own right. Raheem doesn't have the, the, the benefit of playing with Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka and JSN and Chris Olave and all these first round talents at wide receiver that, give him these six man boxes that he could just kind of run draws through and gain six, seven yards of carry. I will say this there, this is a list of power five running backs who declared after three seasons that had two college seasons with a hundred yards rushing per game and 20 plus yards receiving per game. The list is Bijan, Deuce Vaughn, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin cook, Jacquez Rogers, Leonard Fournette and Raheem Sanders has a chance to enter that list as well. Going into 2024. I think he probably does it as well. So I think that puts him in pretty good company outside of what Deuce wanted to quiz Rogers, who, you know, they got to, they got to order like a Whopper junior because they can't hold the the actual 
whopper uh, itself. So I just like Raheem Sanders. I think the size translates. I think he has the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, which at 6'2", 237 he was listed at at spring camp. I doubt he plays at 237, but we're talking about pretty elite size for running back in the SEC that has the ability to do this stuff, and everybody knows he's getting the ball. So it's not a secret that Raheem Sanders is going to be touching the ball 25 times a game, and he still does what he does. So I, I like Raheem Sanders. I think NFL teams are going to like him too. So that's that's why I have him as my RB1. So here's my question for you then, because this is where I'm struggling with Raheem, is I don't think he has the receiving profile like you said. I think he can catch passes. I don't know if he can be a three-down guy. So like when I'm projecting Debbie running backs, what I try to look for is a three-down workhorse as my top guy, where I think Travion's that guy. I can't knock Travion for breaking his foot last year. Like I, yeah. I can't do it. In my heart, like I'm not going to like – I see I see some questionable takes out there about Travion Henderson right now, and it's like, hey, this kid was up with Bijan like his freshman year. People were like, hey, Val, in him that way so like my biggest question mark with Raheem is I like him he's my two right now but just where is can he have that receiving that that kind of profile to where you're comfortable with that or does he need like a Derrick Henry type volume to be that legitimate fantasy asset right like Chubb like Nick Chubb in those areas whereas Henderson I think is more well-rounded I think he can be a three-down guy with his questionable like I'm not saying that he's for sure they're in the same tier here if Raheem doubles down on his production what he did this year then yeah like He'll probably be in that category there. But if Henderson goes back to his freshman year, I think this is a true battle finally for running back one that we haven't had in a long time. I think mm -hmm. like, oh, this is legit. That's my biggest concern. I think that's why I tend to lean Henderson more because I think he projects more as a three down guy. Um, but I understand where you're at. I, I get where you're coming from with Raheem. I don't I don't hate that at all. Yeah, I, I don't. I, like I said, I think I think Raheem, I think uh, Travion Henderson's a really talented player um, in his own right. And if you. Yeah, so Raheem Sanders actually had over 10% um, snaps in the slot as, yeah. as a running back as well. So he was he was used in another capacity outside of the backfield. And you got guys like Leonard Frenet, who just had 73 catches last year. You had Najee Harris as a rookie who had 70 catches. They're not exactly great pass catchers, but they just get the dump off. James Conner, another guy that just kind of just catches passes, not like a great route runner or like a tactician out there running routes, but – catches the swing passes, get some screens. At the end of the day, I would imagine if Raheem Sanders continues on the path that he's going on, he's going to be a, at least a second-round pick. So if that's the case, I would like to think that he's probably going to be a focal point of whatever offense drafts him, and at that point they'll just try to manufacture touches for him in general. But, yeah, I, I don't think that him and Travion could be compared in terms of you know route-running ability. I think that's definitely not Raheem Sanders' skill set, but I think he's proven that he's capable of catching the ball, which is all, all I'm really looking for, that he has yeah. some semblance of some kind of profile that he can actually catch the ball. And route running ability is overrated. For everybody listening out there, like it's 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 kind of overrated running backs a little bit. Like, yeah, that's great that he can run routes, but overall, yeah, I, I project both these guys in the same tier to me. Like, I, I think that it just really depends. They're in a battle this year. I'm excited. And I will say this, to your point about Arkansas, their wide receiver room is nasty. Like, it is. I love Isaiah Santinga. I think he can may, uh, maybe pop, you know, pop off there. Um, but outside of that, like this dude might get Sanders might get a usage that we haven't seen since like Najee Harris uh, at Alabama. Like we might be seeing some of that stuff. Yeah, I would I would love to see that. You know, I think that's what my knock is as far as why I have Trevion a little higher um, because I think he's the more well-rounded back as far as pass catching goes. Um, I think he's probably going to get that that work that I don't know. 
that the Rockets going to get for sure. I don't know if he's going to be that pass catcher, but I, I do like having my mind changed. And the more I hear about it, the more I talk to you guys about it. Um, yeah, it is very close. Um, but I think that's, is that the two for everybody or for you? Yeah. Coleman or yeah. one and two. Yeah. One and called two. you, I called you Coleman, like your students. <laughs> Coleman. Um, yeah. So I think the other running back that I want to touch on is um, Nicholas Singleton. He's somebody that I, I love um, coming up. And I think what Kevin mentioned before as a, a, you know, a three down back, Nick Singleton is a, a three down back. He is that, he has that makeup. He is definitely that has that skill set of being that power back. Um, so I think he's he's going to be my three of the class, or the three of the in Devi. Um, I don't know where you guys stand on that. Um, so we were so me and uh, Christian Williams we were going through our rankings the other night because we have no lives and we were talking and we were going through on Streamyard and we were looking at it. The running back position scares the shit out of me right now in Debbie because there's a lot of question marks at that running back position because I like Nicholas Singleton. I have him right where you have him in rankings. I don't know if he's maybe the best running back on his own team. Like that is where I'm concerned about some of these guys in the Debbie like running back landscape. Like Quinshawn Judkins looks really good, but when I watch his tape, I'm like, man, it feels like something's missing. Like it just feels like we you know where the NFL team is going to value this guy. Um, and so like I like Singleton. I think he does have that. You know, the one thing that Singleton needs to improve is his inside rush and his ability to kind of his vision inside. I think he has the outside burner, and I think he can turn the corner better than anybody in college football but he does struggle inside. Like there are times where his vision fails him. There are times where he, you know, he, contact balances off those type of things. And if you watch him, even in high school, it's two, you know, two juke moves gets to the outside, just beats everybody outside. Like that's it. And he does not have a pass catching um, profile right now. He's never had that. Even in high school, that was the big knock on him coming out. So like, there's a lot of question marks and where Katron Allen, I think is undervalued. Like, Oh, well he might be the better runner inside. And then you're looking at this, this depth chart, like, man, like that, this is like, that's why in Debbie right now, I've been didn't go on wide receiver because I feel more comfortable with that position overall, just as a standpoint, I'd put Singleton there based on upside and ceiling. Um, but it's a tier, like you got Judkins, you know, where did you put Shipley Allen and Robinson and then Edwards and all those other guys in there? Like it's, it's a, it's a scary time to draft a Debbie running back. Yeah, I'm, I'm with it. Yeah. I think Judkins is definitely right there. Um, you know, I just, uh, man. Like I said, we talked about Zach Evans a little while ago and, and Judkins. I, I shun him, you know, because I, I think he, I still, I still, he has a little smear on his name. Um, and that's just personal for me. But yeah, I think, I think it's really, you know, it's fluid at the moment. Um, yeah. It's really hard to do that kind of ranking. And like you said before, um, I salute anybody that can do the combined rankings and, and talk about, you know, where they have uh, a, 2025 running back as a, you know, compared to um, like a Jacobs or, you yeah. know, Najee or somebody, you know, it's like, what are you doing? It's just it's all, hard. it's, it's guesswork. Hard. It's, you can look at metrics and everything, but these kids are 19 years old, you know, like they're, they're all improving their game and they're all learning as they go. So it's, it's hard to even put, put them next to names like that. But I know that you do. And I know that, you know, everyone over at the Debbie, Debbie Royale and, and everyone is, is doing those rankings and um, yeah, we appreciate it. I, I will say this too, like with the, the combined rankings for running backs right now, like one of the things that like I advocate and then something that I do in my Debbie leagues, I don't really 
I don't draft like I hate when you draft to like fill a need on the NFL side from like your Debbie drafts. Like I'm going to take Singleton and then I'm going to flip him to Mike because Mike has Singleton as his running back, too. And I'm going to go get some NFL guys like the way I kind of use Debbie assets is probably I'm not one of those. You'll see them in Debbie leagues. They get like 17 Debbie picks and then they just draft Debbie guys like that's not me. Like I'm going to go try to win because I like money. Like that's and so what I do is I use Debbie values to shift there. And so like these combined rankings to me, it's like, well, if I have Singleton at 11 combined, which I do, which probably is too high. I understand that. But if you're looking at the running back landscape in Dynasty, they're old. Like we have Eckler, Jacobs, Chubb, like these guys there. So you're trying to fit these guys in there. So if I needed, like, I don't mind trading a Singleton for a Chubb and an asset, probably. If you can tear down and get that asset and for a win now piece, I'm okay with those type of moves. Like I don't mind trying to do that stuff, especially with the question marks. Look at Zach Evans. He burned the shit out of me too. I like Zach Evans. We're going to talk about misses. That's probably a miss for me in terms of what I thought his overall talent was um, compared to what he got drafted as. Now, you could have traded Zach Evans two years ago, probably for maybe CMC, right? CMC was down. There was question marks about his injuries. Zach Evans, Debbie running back one. There is ways that you can kind of make a maneuver that. So that's something just to keep in mind when you're looking at Debbie assets too. Yeah, and that's crazy to think about. Um, yeah, it's just the value drop there is so mm-hmm. incredible. And that's what, that's a good Testament to how difficult Debbie really is as far as projecting and, and trying to think about, you know, once these guys get to the NFL, where they're going to be um, because it is, it's guesswork and it's, it's not, it's not easy work for sure. Um, but before we close out, I think most people, well, at least most of our discord knows how JC and I got to know each other. Um, we were in one of Kevin's, uh, mock drafts and we were talking about you know um, first round QBs and I think JC was right in front of me and he took Joe Burrow over Herbert at the time and we got into a healthy I want to say argument I don't think it was an argument but it was a nice back and forth and we talked about um, why that was a smart move why it wasn't and and now we are here and we have Kevin on the show so Kevin if we're doing a startup um, for a dynasty team are you going to take Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert for your QB one? I'm taking Joe Burrow as my QB one. Like, yeah, that's, I figured. I, I lean Joe Burrow there. I, I I think Herbert is he's in the same tier with him, in my opinion. Um, the problem with Herbert to me is the weapons around him. And if I can get him with Chase and Higgins, and I have those weapons, and I'm okay with the usage and I'm the volume, passing volume, and all that, I'll lean Burrow and just kind of ride him out. And I have a soft place in Burrow. I got to the semifinals last year in Scott Fishbowl because of Burrow. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out Burrow there as well. Yeah, I know. I'm, t- I'm going to take the L on that. I think it's really just, <laughs> it's how it is now. I figured maybe after this year, we can talk about, we can reassess mm-hmm. and we'll talk, we'll talk about, um, you know, who, who is the winner of that, so to speak. But that's the beautiful, right now, Jay- beautiful thing about dynasty though. You know, like things, things change like year, year to year. Like you never, you never know, like Quentin Johnston could turn it around and be yeah. a stud. And now he's got, he's got Quentin Johnston with him for like 10 years. So you know, you never, you never know. It's uh, you know, it changes, changes from year to year. And if Burrow, God forbid, got injured again, and then Herbert has another step in the right direction with Kellen Moore at offensive coordinator. So things could happen. Things change. Did you want to touch on like any, any dark horse Debbie, Debbie prospects? 
I don't know. I feel like that's a great show. You know, I, I don't want to keep Kevin for too long. I know that he's got some some little ones to put to bed right now. So, um, you know, I can come on again. One... I can come on again over the summer. We we can we can make yeah. this a we can make this a thing. Yeah, make you a, a regular guest. You know, <laughs> hop on. Um, yeah, I I wrap this up. We can talk about you know sleepers and whatnot at another time. Um, you know, I'll cut you loose. So I think I I'm I'm very happy with that show. I think. You know, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, I want to plug anything that you want to plug. You know, I know that you have the Discord um, for Debbie Royale, and you guys are doing all the rankings and um, the manifesto on there. Something that I appreciate, and I think anybody that's starting off Debbie would appreciate. Um, so, if you are not in the Debbie Royale discount Discord um, and the Patreon over there, I definitely suggest you checking that out. I know Kevin's already dropping links. Um, here and there on Twitter for it. So if you follow him on Twitter, definitely look for the, for the Patreon link. Um, and I don't know if you have anything else coming up, Kevin, that you want to throw out there. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I, I think one thing that we, we started the Debbie Real for, it's not, we don't make money really. Like we just kind of, we do it for, I do it generally speaking, like I do it to help Debbie people, like especially new Debbie people at the format and just kind of give you idea of context and value. Like that's what I'm looking for. Um, and, and I think it's, it's cheap. It's three bucks a month. You get all the content that we put out there. We do weekly podcasts and me and Jay um, just trying to help out that, that area there. Um, I did want to also bring up, and I'm just going to read off associate. Like you put on here, like, what do you have for content creators starting out? Cause this is near and dear to my heart. And I, and I want people to know this, like, just do it. Don't like worry about what anybody thinks. Um, you want to be Debbie analyst, then you go do it. You want to be dynasty, go do it. Like, and don't, don't chase follows. Don't chase like, that's the stupidest shit in the world. Like, don't worry about if people are following or not. Just keep grinding and putting out content and, and you're going to find your way. The reason why I made it to football guys is because I did an article for a website that's not even there anymore. And Joe Bryant saw it. And Joe Bryan is the owner of Football Guys, and he read it because he followed me on Twitter or he saw it on Twitter. He read it, followed me, and then he put me like in a category. He has like a list of people that he would hire later. And I didn't get – he didn't DM me for a year. It took a year and that article that I wrote for him to be like, oh, this guy would be pretty cool to come here. And now I do a bunch of stuff for Football Guys. And, and I think the biggest thing I would say for content creators is like – this is cool. This podcast that you guys are doing is great. Like trying to like, you know, create a community, which you guys are doing in the discord, um, which we could do a better job of. It's just, you know, time, time is the, the thing, but like having that idea and having the community and building, um, but don't worry about what other people are doing. And, and we call it like pocket watching and that kind of stuff. We do it all the time. I see that a lot. And it's like, Hey, don't worry about what these guys are doing in this area. And there's little clicks over here or whatever the case may be. Um, just create content like we do, like at the Debbie Real or even at Football Guys, like I always have in the mindset of the average dude who's reading my content or woman who just is starting out in both formats and how can I help them just have a path? And then if I can create that path for them, then they can go get smarter shit from like people like you guys, like Jay and like all those guys. I mean, um, and, and like, and that, that's where they can get the smart stuff from. If I can create that path of like, oh, this is how you do it. That's definitely somewhere to go. So just know what you're creating it for. Just have that in mind. Every time you put out a piece of content, know why you're creating it. 
Um, and that's what we do at the Debbie Royale. That's why we have the Patreon. We don't make money off of it. Like, and we've never pulled money from anything yet. We still just like, we, we just put it back into different stuff that we work on, different content. We pay more people than we don't. We have never paid ourselves out of that, actually, to be honest with you. Um, we actually pay other people to help, you know, design stuff and, and create some of the stuff that we do, the Debbie rankings and the sheets and all that kind of stuff. So um, really just come at it from a passion. This should be fun. This isn't supposed to be like, you know, I got to talk for an hour with you guys talking bullshit football and, you know, like, and I got away from the kids for a little while and got to have some fun and now I'll go back to real life. So that's the key. Just hang out, have some fun and, and, and stop taking this shit too seriously. Just uh, stop it. Just, it, it's not that serious to market share, target share, all that stuff. People get too, too hyped over it. That is the Ted Lasso of fantasy football Twitter, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that is him. Um, JC, you want to add anything to it? You got anything coming up or you want to plug anything? Uh, yeah, I got my Substack series that I released last week called Dynasty Triage, where I kind of I show how I assess each individual asset, how important they are to your roster, when it is you should probably get off of them, how long you should keep them, something like that. So I'm going to go through my top 12 running backs and kind of show how it is that I kind of formulate through each each step what my final grade is for those and how likely I am to want to roster them or how likely I want to move off of them. Kind of got the idea from Jay Stein who did his dynasty investor series to where I don't have that financial experience necessarily to talk about my portfolio and stuff like that, but I do have some emergency management experience. So I, I felt like that would be a good usage of mixing my real life job with my, my passion, my fantasy football writing. So I, I think it's a fun series. You want to check it out. It's, uh, jcjdynasty.substack.com hey, nice. Jay, And Jay Stein makes up those words. D don't think all those words are real. <laughs> like some of that shit is just fake. I, I swear to God, I gotta get a thesaurus, a dictionary. Like sometimes he just he just sounds smart. <laughs> Jay Stein, I'm definitely he's definitely listening. He's gonna <laughs> listen to this. So, um, well, that was a great episode. Like I see you coming on um, next week, we do have Nick Penikoff. So he's somebody that's actually part of um, the DGEN's brand that we have going on. And, and he helps with the podcast. He's going to be coming on. We're going to be going through some tape and going over, you know, pretty much the 24 class prospect of tape. So the one through 12 and then kind of just t discussing what we like and what we don't like about each prospect. So um, definitely tune in for next week. And um, we appreciate you coming. And since Kevin's on, like and subscribe.